Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lexclusive, Paper Street's first podcast. Today, you are talking with me, Nancy, our client relations manager, and I'll be the host of our podcast. I'm also here with Alex, our vice president and internet marketing director, and also Pete, our founder, CEO, and overall general guru here at Paper Street. We don't want to bore you with our background, but so we'll get right into the pod. At the end, we'll wrap things up a little bit and let you know a little bit about more, more about our company and things like that. But here today, we're going to talk about the three biggest marketing mistakes that lawyers make. As a result, we also have a bonus fourth mistake to keep you listening till the end. All right, we'll just kick right off and start with mistake number one. For us, we would say that mistake number one is staying generic with your campaign. What does that mean for lawyers? Staying generic means a bunch of different things. It could be your content. It could be your imagery. It could just be how you present yourself in general. What we'd like to encourage our clients is to think outside the box. Think interesting. Think creative. And there's a bunch of different ways you could do that. For example, if you're thinking about your imagery, stay away from gavels. Stay away from shields. Stay away from anything that people expect from a traditional lawyer marketing campaign. It doesn't do you any favors, and it just keeps you as one of the crowd. You want to think outside the box. Think something unique. Think something creative. Do you guys have anything of your favorite imagery that your clients have done recently, Alex or Pete? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the biggest things like you hit upon, Nancy, is just, you know, the the no gavels, the no shield, the no overly generic uh, legal law firm. Uh, kind of uh, impressions that people might think to have. Um, mostly what it involves is is kind of piggybacks on the side of storytelling, which is a really big component on content and making something non-generic, if you will, anyway. So, um, you know, imagery can play off of that. And imagery is great in the sense that even if it's subliminal, it, it actually does a wonderful part of helping to bolster that story and move it along. Um, or, might really even help on the on the uh, the local side. So you know, a lot of our uh, clients have a national presence, um, but yet they might have something like separate sites where a lot of those separate sites um, then play into that local imagery. Uh, so that's like another example of, of one of the ways that something could be really honed in. Um, to kind of show that local presence. You know, they always say for a movie that your location is actually like the fourth character or the fourth main character. I don't know the exact filmography terms, but they do say that your location plays a big part into how how the movie portrays itself. And the same thing is true with your your website. If you're local to a particular town that's got a unique characteristic, if you're in a big city, embrace that. And it'll help your marketing in the long run as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I also think another way too is, um, you know, which I've always applauded a lot of our uh, attorney uh, uh, profile pictures that we have seen um, that are just not, uh, you know, your standard way of doing a, a profile picture is, is one of the things that I think helps a website pop and kind of stand out of the crowd. Um, you know, there can be some really, really cool and unique, uh, you know, kind of perspectives on how that's done, uh, just in the sense of it um, showing, I think, also the personality of the firm, too, which is pretty cool to say. Yeah, it makes a big difference because, you know, the way the doctors have white coat syndrome, there is a general consensus that lawyers don't always have the most popular 
uh, social images in terms of people don't always know, can I trust a lawyer? Are they just after my money? What am I going to do? If you create a personality using your marketing, if you can show that, you know, yes, I'm going to win your case, I have the legal background to do it, but I'm also someone you can talk to, someone you can trust, someone that's going to fight for you, you know, do that, show yourself, use your website to do that. Like you said, Alex, the casual photos, group photos, photos of you got photos of the office doing something that's not, you know, just sitting in a courtroom. You know, you can have the courtroom photos if you feel they ain't necessary, but you could just branch out and, and just show who you are. And it's not even just the images. It's the content as well. You know, maybe you don't want to take a bunch of attorney photographs. That's fine. I had one client tell me, no, I don't want my picture on the site. I'm not a rock star. That's great. That's okay. We understand that. So let's use it the content side of things. Let's let's talk about who you are. What's your background? What, how did you get into law? And some of our clients do a really great job of doing that. Sure. Yeah. One of the main things is uh, you. we go back to the original question of what makes you unique. Um, what I found is there's about eight or nine different ways you can make your law firm different. Um, you can be first in a category. You can own an attribute, um, such as something that's really equated with your law firm. Um, you could be considered a leader in your area, which every law, law firm tries to be. Um, you can go with a heritage model, like you've been over 100 years old. Um, you can have a very specific mar- market speciality, um, such as your very specific trademark or patent work, or I've even had a termite lawyer one time. Um you can also say that, you know, you've been, you know, the most preferred law firm in a certain area. If you have a, a very specific target market, um, maybe your law firm has uh, some unique process, the way you do your filings or your work, actually. So you have some technological advantage um, and have some latest features. Um, so those are different ways you can actually brand and differentiate your law firm um, and to make it unique. And I, I think a really good one, too, also on that point, Pete, is one that is where they have that full uh, kind of relation with the client, you know, uh, one that can kind of do a storytelling sort of perspective where they're looking at yeah. it from the, from the viewpoint of a client's perspective. Exactly. Um, you always have to relate it back to the clients. Um, yeah. That's the, that's the critical thing is it's not just that you may have a heritage model of a hundred years, but you know, how did you serve the community for over a hundred years? And what, how does that actually help your client now? Maybe you've been around for a hundred years, but you know, maybe it's someone that's new that wants a more, uh, you know, modern lawyer or something like that. So your heritage, heritage model might not work at all. So you really right. have to figure out what makes you unique and that will actually resonate with your, your clients. Yeah. Um, and I think some good case in point examples that we have of that is that, you know, we've had clients that have worked in like the maritime industry who also previous in a previous life worked as a merchant marine and worked on oil rigs or, you know, a lot of personal injury lawyers who also ride motorcycles or bicycles. And so they 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 have that viewpoint from a client's perspective. And I think that's correct. That's something really very unique. Yeah. yeah. Practicing what you preach, basically, you know, if yeah. you actually do that, you know, there there's some uh, cycling lawyers or bike bike lawyers who you know are cyclists um right. they do really well in that community in case someone has injured on a bike yeah. um you know in same thing with motorcycles uh same thing with maritime um that are you know been in the industry and actually been injured in the industry and so forth and so forth that that's that's great to have i mean if you can't have that you know you can also tell tale differently so yeah one of the other examples that you gave i'm sure there's there's a lot of firms who can you know pick one of the other sides of that. If they, if yeah, they don't have you can always brand a firm one specific way. And, and one thing is finding a, a one specific niche, you know, so, you know, maybe you're not over, I hate to go back, keep going back to this. Maybe you're not the hundred year old law firm, but you'll narrow it down that maybe, okay, well, you've been the longest firm in one specific area or one specific city. 
um, or one specific practice area and narrow it down to where you say, okay, that is my heritage. Um, And if you're a brand new firm starting up, go with that, you know, that you're the new hot lawyer, you know, you're the freshest one on the street, go with the hungry model. You know, I'm hungry. I'm here 24 seven. I'm on, you know, all social media, TikTok and so forth and, and, and play that up um, because yeah. of other firms that don't want to do that. And so you can find your audience that way. There's always a way to brand a firm. The, the key thing though, is, is make yourself unique. If you're, yeah. if you're going to just be the same as anyone else, then really what you're just doing is relying on where you place your ads and the repetition of those ads. But ideally a better marketing plan is finding what makes you unique and then having a ad distribution plan with that so that they can see that. Yeah. And even just to wrap up this, this first mistake of staying generic, you know, you don't have to, if it's not something you don't want to associate with yourself, if you're not comfortable using yourself as your personality, there are other ways. You could always do a creative logo with bold imagery. You could, we have a very successful law firm that uses animals as their imagery and people remember it as the cheetah website. You can even be an educational website and have things like infographics, videos, learning tools, calculator, and just be the, the website that says we want to help. And that's how you can create a brand. And on that note, we want to make sure we segue into our other mistakes so we're not keeping you guys here for too long. So our next (laughs) mistake would be to underestimate or ignore your competition. Alex, how would a client do that? How would a law firm underestimate or ignore their competition? And what do we need to do to tell them to not do that? Uh, Well, there's a whole host of ways that I think it can be done. And I mean, we obviously, um, you know, look at it from a perspective of, what makes you kind of uh, with what Pete was saying earlier, what makes you that quintessential industry leader? And so how can you then outshine that and making sure that you're taking a look at your competition? Um, you know, so one of the ways that we would do it is just obviously recommend looking at some of the phrases and even perhaps keywords themselves that someone would be looking up to specifically find your firm. Um, and then we can see, you know, you can then clearly see the competition right there. I mean, who is in those top positions? Who is in those top spots? Um, looking at it from that perspective, uh, going back to what we were just saying before, the content side, the content plan side, are they doing a lot of this uh, you know, information in the world of, of, of just putting themselves out there and demonstrating them uh, that they are that industry leader. You know, are they telling a story that perhaps you're not? Um, the design side is a big portion of it. And we can go back to these and really give some maybe some case in point examples. But yeah, the design yeah. side is obviously a big portion of it in the sense that, you know, uh, is, is your website older? Does it look legacy? Are there a- archaic functions and features on there? Does it not necessarily res- like respond or adapt on different mobile devices or, uh, you know, uh, tablet devices or things like that? And then on the maybe even perhaps the social media side, uh, you know, are, are there uh, is there a lack of engagement? Is there a lack of exposure out there? Um, and if you're seeing your competition, uh, then, you know, you're you're offend- essentially you know, falling behind, falling short. So, I mean, I think those are all maybe some case in point examples that we can go back over a little bit further and talk about more. Yeah, those are those are great, Alex. So in case in points uh, on the SEO side, you know, we can get down to the nitty gritty of how we do this at Paper Street. Um, when we do an SEO analysis, one of the first things we always do is, you know, we actually figure out what keyword phrases we're going to tar- target um, by doing competitive research. So if we're going to be targeting a very specific care, you know, phrase such as like, you know, Fort Lauderdale personal injury lawyer, for instance, um, we obviously will Google that. And then you'll list out like the 10 actual websites that are ranking high for that. Then you actually visit those websites, plan out their entire site structure, see what pages they have. You'd be surprised at where you know, you may actually go to a website and you just see the main menu only has maybe five or six buttons. You're like, oh, it's a fairly small site. And you dig down to their practice areas and then, oh, okay, they have another 
15, 20 practice areas and are there. And then you go to the actual sub page of a specific practice area. Um, and then you notice that, oh, well, they have 40, you know, sub sub pages under that, just under, you know, medical malpractice, or they have, you know, 25 extra auto accident pages and so forth. They may have it by city in the state of Florida. A lot of law firms do that now to where they'll have the same exact site pages throughout every city in Florida, whether it's Tampa, Orlando, even down to smaller cities like Delray Beach and so forth. And that's because Google will pick up those as localized pages um, most of the time and you know, hopefully rank them high. And so that's what we mean by SEO and competitor analysis is that you really got to dig down and see what is that firm doing. And if you really want to compete with them, you need to match those page counts. And on top of that, um, you also need to then take a look at their branding. What, how are they branding their firm? You know, is it more generic? You know, most likely it is, to be honest. Um, you know, they'll, they'll mention that, you know, some experience and big wins and millions of dollars in verdict and stuff like that, or they are personalizing it. And then how do you, you know, you don't want to copy that, but you want to fit in to where you have a unique advantage against them because, you know, most firms, most people looking for a law firm are going to visit two or three sites um, if they're doing their due diligence and then contact those firms. And then it comes down to who do they like better? You know, you're now in the door, but have you set up a brand for them? And that goes back to our mistake one. Number one is just being a generic brand. That's right. Yeah. And I think you summarized all that really well. It's more, like you said before, it's what's going to make you that quintessential leader. What's going to make you stand out? Um, yeah. How, how are you going to outshine and then show that not only on a, on a, on a ranking and a, a keyword level and on, you know, let's say the search engine optimization side of it all, but just everything else, you know, the can the content side, the design side. Yeah. And that, that's where the design and social really comes into. You, you don't want to just get the lead, but your, your design and content needs to convert that lead so that now you're the forefront and, you know, and you get the meeting and you can press them on the meeting. But, you know, it's always down to two or three firms are going to pick and, you know, you need to get back to them quickly, of course, you know, minutes, <laughs> um, not hours. Right. And then you also <laughs> need to set up a brand that you're memorable to them and have it right. consistent throughout all your documentation and all that's every right. touch point you have with a client. Why you? Why you? Why are you yeah. that quintessential leader? How can you prove it? How can you yep. help that given client? Exactly. Yeah, and I feel like this is a mistake within a mistake because I see this a lot with our clients too, is that they have the design, they have the imagery, but then when they, the way that they present themselves, the content, are, are you trying to speak to another lawyer? Are you trying to convince a judge why to hire you? Or are you trying exactly. to convince someone who has a case, who doesn't know how to fight for custody for their kid, who doesn't know how to go through the probate process, things like that. And that's a really important thing with the competitor analysis, because you need to see what topics the your other competitors are talking about what are the law firms talking about but present it in a different way that helps the, the your potential your potential client understand how you're going to help why you're going to help what you're going to do differently and like i said it's not about just recreating what your competitor will have it's about presenting it in a new way that will make them truly understand again you're not trying you can impress them with your awards and your background that's great but you're really your goal is to show how you can help. What is a claim that you can help with? Like, for example, for our lemon law firms, what is a car that's a lemon? People don't know. And if you can explain to them why their car is a lemon or why they do have a claim, then you're probably going to be the firm that they choose because they understood you. Answer their questions, become that industry leader, not to sound so heavily digital marketer, but match up to what's called user intent, you know, (laughs) match up to what the user is looking for. Pretty much that simple. 
Exactly. And it boils down to SEO somewhat too. It's like, what are your users looking for? And if you can answer that, you know, if you look at things like people also ask, or you look at a tool like answer the public, you'll know what people are asking. So if you know what they're asking, answer it, make sure that they know what you're going to do. And like I said, do it in a way that's different from your competitors so that you stand out. You're the brand they trust and you're the brand that can, it can help them and will help them. It's a wonderful example. Yeah, it's a perfect example. I mentioned that quite a bit where I always say it's you're being spoon fed uh, questions from Google that's telling you, uh, you know, here's questions that you should respond to. And then lastly, but not least, is mistake number three, where we have is not maintaining a marketing schedule. Now, that may seem self-explanatory, but it's actually a lot more complicated than you'd think. What does that include, Alex? I'll summarize it in one word, a rhythm. That's, that's the word that I always talk about. Rhythm, rhythm. You know, make sure that there's some sort of rhythm that's going on to what you're actually deploying in the content that you're putting out online. Um, part of it is not only from the user side and what we were just talking about, the user intent, making sure that you can, you know, really develop that reputation side and of your business, of your firm, and make sure that, you know, the people that would be looking at your social media are, are coming back to some regular, good, valid content. Um, but it's also selfishly something that is good. And I say selfishly because I think about this again from a digital marketing perspective that, that Google and the search engines want to see. The more that you can create that rhythm, the more that they know to come back and keep looking at your site, indexing your site. Um, and so there's a, a really double-edged sword here, which is maybe a double value, I should say. But it's really about um, making sure that you can then show that and demonstrate it so that you, know, you, again, are that quintessential industry leader, but on a timely, continual, rhythmic basis. Um, that's just, I think, a huge portion of it. Um, also, I, I, you know, I, I like to fall back on the fact that the beauty of the web is, is something that is not necessarily 100% final. And by that, I mean, you know, as we all know, in a print piece, in a print world, um, you know, once that is sent out to the world, it's, it's done, it's out. You, know, you would have to do a new piece or something like that to, to uh, change topics or change uh, you know, kind of a, a viewpoint or a stance or an update on something. But the beauty of the web is that if you're doing something on a marketing level, it's easily updated, it's easily edited, it's easily added to, um, it's easily amendable. And so, I mean, that, that organicness, for lack of a better term, is, is wonderful. And so it's something where it shouldn't be fearful because I think, as we can all uh, vouch, I think there's a little bit of a fear, especially initially for clients that might be new at blogging or new at social media. There's almost an apprehension to get involved, and there really shouldn't be. Um, again, they are that industry leader. So it's just about putting it out to the world. Last but not least, the focus on the engagement side of it all. Um, you know, lastly, I just say that it goes back to the exact point that Nancy just mentioned. Um, don't just use it as a soapbox. You know, make sure that it's engaging, that it's networking, that you're developing that sort of presence out there. So. Yeah, I was going to talk about the um, in terms of the schedule itself and the actual um, how to implement that. I would recommend getting your entire uh, company or team involved. I mean, obviously, if you're solo, that's you. Um, and you may need to outsource some of it to someone else to either help write or help maintain social or or help do SEO and so forth. But if you have a, a larger company, a larger firm, um, you can actually get the team involved, have people, you know, blogging regularly for you, have monthly meetings with a, a marketing group that then grows and pulls resources from your teams. Like for instance, Paper Street, 
typically everyone here at Paper Street has to write two or three blog posts a year. Um, you know, it's not too onerous and it helps them, you know, create their craft. Usually what we tell them is anytime you're responding to a client with a very you know, detailed and lengthy message, strip out the client's names, turn that into a blog post. Um, don't do anything personally identifiable, but if you're giving away good free advice to a client, then turn that into a blog post for everyone else. Cause someone else probably has the exact same question. So reuse content is a great way for easing up your marketing schedule because you're writing and speaking all day long. Just turn that into marketing materials for, you know, information on your website. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing too, of what I see is, you know, people will get very excited. They'll start this blogging schedule. They'll have this marketing of social media campaign, things like that. And especially with law firms, it's great for like two months, three months, and then the ball just drops. You know, mm-hmm. somebody thinks, oh, we've we've done successfully. We're, we're doing well. And then the efforts start to lack or they'll just get involved with the case, which is completely understandable. But on the same token, if you have this great schedule and then it falls apart, your your potential clients, your followers, your audience, they're going to start to wander as well. You know, they need to know that you're going to keep being there. You're going to keep posting. You're going to keep sharing information and things like that. So if you set a calendar, sure, you need to have like the first initial three months mapped out clearly and what you're going to do. But recognize that at the end of month two, you better be start planning for months four, five and six, because again, in the world of law where everybody's moving fast or cases pop up, you need to have that backing. You need to have a schedule prepared and use tools for that. Use Excel spreadsheets, use Hootsuite, you know, use anything you can that will visually make sense so that you'll know what's coming. Set alerts for yourself. Just anything you can do to make sure that you maintain this schedule. Because as we tell our clients, especially the SEO clients or even the social media clients, you don't become a success overnight. You can, but can you maintain that? And the only way to maintain SEO rankings and really continue to grow or to stay an influencer, to stay a popular social media uh, influencer is, is to keep posting and to keep your schedule consistent. And, and and make sure that it's a priority. I mean, again, yes, your clients will always be your priority, but you need to make sure that you're not forgetting about your business because you need to have that dedication. Your business should be a, one of your own clients. So treat it with that dedication level that you have. That's one of the critical things actually is, is even when you're successful, keep marketing. Um, there's so many times clients will shut down. They'll, they'll pause or turn off uh, the spigot, so to speak, on the pay-per-click campaign. So they'll get you know, 30, 40 leads in a month and start signing crazy amount of clients based upon that and, you know, as a solo practitioner. And what happens is then they, they can't take anything else on. And so they'll turn it off and then expect it to have the same results like three or four months later when the market has changed or the bid prices have changed or just the ads have changed. And you can't just, it's a lot of the market isn't just turn on, turn off. You have to keep it running. You can scale it down a little bit, but you don't never want to just go cold turkey for months on end. Yeah, there's, and this is exactly verbatim what I mean by maintain that rhythm. You know, that's, yeah. that's the thing that I keep falling back on. It's just maintain that rhythm, you know, whether or not it's on a posting schedule or on a marketing level or on a branding level, just maintain it, maintain the rhythm. You know, it's almost, it's funny. It's almost like talk about the things that you want to do the best or like you, you feel the most comfortable talking about, whether it's a social media post or blog, but put those off. Don't do those first. I mean, you could do one or two to get the ball rolling, but save them. So save them for when you're swamped with a client or when you, it's the holidays and, and you're just busy. Make sure that some of your best ideas, your best 
topics aren't all used at the beginning. So that way, if you need to fall back on something that's that's easy for you, you know what it is that you're going to do. So that way it'll be on the calendar and it won't be a stress event. You know, if you realize, oh, no, I haven't been doing this as regularly as I should be, you can fall back onto the areas that you know the best. So that way they're still there and you can still come across as a, an industry leader and things like that without having a lackluster post or social media posts that just aren't going to draw in engagement or information. And like you said before, Nancy, there's so many things uh, in a technical technological world that can help. I mean, there are so many applications and stuff that, that are that are your friend in this in this scenario. <laughs> so you know, be it Hootsuite or you know, even just using something as simple as Excel or something to help with that schedule. So it's it's something that can be easily planned out, and and then you know accordingly how to proceed. The bonus mistake segues perfectly with that, you know, in terms of setting things and and tracking things. Our last mistake is when you don't set specific goals and you don't track your goals and your leads. Uh, Pete, I believe you were going to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. One of the critical things is you need to know where everything is coming from. Um, So on the web, it's actually nice. You can pretty much nail down to where the lead came from. Um, You you know, did it come from Google search? Did it come from paid ads? Did it come from a referral source? Did it come from social um, your analytics should show all that. So as a base point, you need to always have Google Analytics on the website or some other analytic program. Um, you need to have then on top of that, a, a CRM system or some type of lead tracking system. So that the lead comes in and ideally that ties into your case management system, you know, for easy purposes. Um, and that way you can show, you know, how much you're spending on your marketing, where the lead comes from. Did the lead become a client? Did that client become a case and so forth? Um, if you can track that all the way through, you can actually know, you know, whether your marketing is, you know, worthwhile or not. Um, along with that, um, not only, you know, with analytics is typically call tracking too. So you can actually get offline leads. So there's, there's countless times where, you know, one client will indicate that, you know, we're not getting them any contact forms, but then we'll go into the call rail system or there's other lead tracking systems. We just have to use call rail. Um, and it will actually showcase, you know, hey, yeah, but you got 30 calls this past week. And these are the phone numbers. And they'll detail like, yeah, this one was a 30-second call, but this one was a 15-minute call. So clearly, you talked a lot for them. Um, and you can tie that into the phone number. And then they actually sometimes will have the actual person's name. So it's nice to say, okay, yeah, that person did call in. They became a client and so forth. So this is a nice system to have is make sure that you're tracking all your leads. Um, at the very least, just have a simple, you know, our first lead tracking system literally was a spreadsheet. And then it's advanced over time with that. But you know, at the very least, just get a Google Sheet or Google Doc and just track leads that way. So more advanced ones that would be actually having a CRM. I always um, tell a lot of our marketing clients, there's a funny quote that I like to always fall back on. Uh, John Wanamaker, the U.S. Uh, department store merchant, um, had a, a pretty apropos uh, uh, quote that said, uh, half of the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is I don't know which half. And to, I think the point that Pete made that this, in this day and age, uh, that becomes a moot point. Uh, I mean, you can take almost all ambiguity out of where your marketing is being spent. Um, and then, you know, really hone in on where it is. And so because of that, you can definitively track, you can see where that source is coming from. You can see what is directly attributable and then, you know, really focus on that. So, but I mean, fundamentally, it goes back to the fact that you need to make sure that you're tracking it. You know, you need to take out that ambiguity. So, um, you know, then you have a much more honed in um, presence in in your, you know, not only just your website itself, but then overall marketing. Um, so, you know, you can get a much greater and higher return on investment. 
And it ties in because what Pete was saying about analytics, you know, for example, with analytics, you could see, are, is your website traffic coming from people who are searching for you? Is it coming from social media? Is it coming from referrals? And you can see that way, okay, maybe I need to spend some more time and effort on SEO if I'm not getting many things by organic search. Or maybe if they're searching for you directly and you see that it's doing well, maybe that's a physical ad you need, like a print ad or a TV ad that's working for you. It could be a bunch of different options. And you, by tracking that, you can see what is working for you and what is isn't. By the same token, you can also track your cases this way. For example, if you're a multi-practice group and you've seen that of the last 60% of your cases were perhaps personal injury, but you're not getting any new criminal defense or estate planning clients, then that'll tell you that maybe I need to do something to increase awareness to my brand that I'm more than just a personal injury firm. Show how you're an estate planning firm. Show how you're a criminal law firm. Increase the marketing for just that area. That might be a great opportunity for pay-per-click. You can always expand based on your needs. And if you're not tracking specifically what it is that you're acquiring in terms of clients and intake and things like that, then you're not going to know how to spend your marketing dollars. And that's one of the worst things that happen is when these law firms will be spending a lot on marketing, but not really following it up, not really tracking. And then they say, oh, my marketing's not working. I should give up. But that's never the case. It's a question of, well, what are you doing that isn't working? Where are we getting your clients from? Who are your clients? And then you can better map it out and plan ahead. Work smarter, not harder. (laughs) Hone in on what is directly attributable. That's really what it's all about, for sure. I think that wraps us up. I Hopefully, we've helped all of our attorney clients and even regular business clients understand how to create a more effective marketing campaign and just some of the things you really need to keep an eye out for. Um, Here at Paper Street, we've been doing this for almost 20 years. Pete, our founder, started this while he was in law school, and we've been dedicated to attorneys ever since. Uh, We help with SEO. We help with pay-per-click. We help with web design. That's one of the things that we were first known for. Um, And as a result, we have a a very large team here, and we will be doing these podcasts monthly. Um, And we will be out here filming our podcasts for you so you can get these marketing tips, get these web design tips, learn how to grow your law firm, learn what it takes to really get more clients in. Um, And we'll be having some guests over the months where they'll just help you with running your practice and things like that. So we encourage you to tune in every month. Um, our blog, our podcast will be posted on Buzzsprout. We'll also be sharing them on our website, which is paperstreet.com, on our social media accounts, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of that. So we hope that you stay tuned for future podcasts. We hope that you learn something from our podcast. And like I said, visit us at paperstreet.com and get some more of our marketing and branding ideas for you. Thanks so much. You've been a great audience. Talk to you soon.